Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about. time talking for about. Mortgage Matters. Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Happy December. Happy to be with you guys. We took a week off last week, played a rerun. So I was, I was out of town for Thanksgiving, seeing the, all the family. Dan was here, but I was in town with the family. Enjoyed a day off. Yeah, it was nice. Very nice. How was your Thanksgiving, Joe? It was wonderful. Yeah. I was in town with the family too. They all came here. Cool. It was awesome. Yeah. Here to the radio station. Yeah, here. (laughs) Right physically here in this studio. Just did a my family. We did a weekend radio show. Thanksgiving turkey was right here above the board. Yep. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, they all came in then. So it was good. I didn't have to go anywhere. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, good. And now here it is December. I did the holiday parade last night in San Luis Obispo. How was that? It was cool. It's cool, you know, little little campy, little. And what is a what is a Morro Bay guy doing at the San Luis holiday party? Just catching a catching a holiday parade. Yeah, you know, didn't it, want to miss this one. There's the lighted boat parade yeah, in Morro Bay tonight. That that's always cool. The yeah, bo- that's the pretty boat cool. Parade, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, Morro Bay is the only way could do a boat parade. Yeah, Except maybe Pismo well, could do it. Or I was going to say Avila. But... Yeah, could maybe do it. But yeah, it'd be yeah. very cool. I think Morro Bay is ideal just because it's. So yeah. calm inside the bay. Yeah, people haven't checked that out. But yeah, that's tonight. To check it out. And then cool. ne- next Friday is the Atascadero Winter Wonderland. Um, I saw because we got notified because our new office up there is the staging area for this. It sounds like there may be some parade component, um, but the, it sounds yeah, like they they're going to have some elsewhere. snow. Yeah, they make some snow. Yeah, and that one sounds pretty cool. We went last night down to the, the tree Atascadero tree lighting. That was cool. It was fun. They had, um, uh-huh. I didn't get there early enough to hear who it was, but there was some folks singing and playing instruments and got to introduction of a bunch of staff and cool. Yeah. One thing Met you guys Santa. might, one thing you guys might be interested in too, because you got the Paso Robles office. Uh-huh. They got the Vine Street showcase. That's yeah, really Dan cool. Dan always puts our Christmas party no, on the Vine Street night. I think I managed to work around it the last couple of years. Yeah, because really I know cool. it was a problem for one of our employees to make our party. Well, yeah. there's like the opening night thing, though, right? Yeah. Which I think is usually on a Thursday. I'm not sure. Yeah, you, somebody <laughs> comes out and plays screw. I just assume. Yeah. yeah, the whole thing's fun. If yeah, you've ever been there cool. for that first I've night, that's the once. best night. Yeah. That's cool. You mentioned me meeting Santa. My three-year-old's already able to pick out a fake Santa from a real Santa. Uh-oh. Yeah. The guy at the end of the parade last night was not the real Santa. Mm-hmm. Wow. He was just a guy dressed up as Santa. And and how did he know? He hasn't been able to quite articulate that yet. He just, so. he We're has a knack at, for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what the telltale signs what does he, are. What does he do? How does he indicate a fake as opposed to an authentic? So far, the best we've come up with is that um, the only Santas he's ever seen are cartoons. Oh, the ones uh, that he believes to be uh, real. Uh, he's like, <laughs> so okay. when he sees a real, now that's just a guy dressed up as Santa. I know that. It's not a cartoon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's funny. They're Santa's helpers. 
Yeah. Because Santa can't be everywhere. Yeah, they're the elves that go out That's and dress right. up as Santa, right? That's right. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're Santa's helpers. Exactly. And for anybody listening, you know, let, let's move on from that topic before we start <laughs> shattering childhoods right here. Yeah, well, I mean, we should transition to what this show's all about, right? Yeah, so I it's... gotta know. I'm dying to know. <laughs> did, did you buy on Black Friday? Oh, no, I didn't. Oh. I didn't. I did participate in Cyber Monday, though. Did you? Yeah. So the extent of my Cyber Monday was on, I just went on Amazon and, you know, looked through their deal of the day, Cyber Monday, whatever kind of thing. Nathan, it was terrible. And I was like, oh, well, seems like the good deals are a thing of the past and just easily dismissed it. And evidently, I'm like many Americans now that don't find the significance of needing to shop at all on that weekend because of all of the bountiful deals between now and Christmas. Did you hear what I said? You shopped. I started Christmas shopping. <laughs> That's the weirdest thing. <laughs> I know. You it's know not it's even weirder? December 23rd. I'm almost done with my Christmas shopping, and it's not even December 23rd. Are you sure you're a male? Um, <laughs> not like, this year, apparently. I don't like, know. I don't know. <laughs> So, I just I think I decided to to just uh, go a different route. I'm always at the last minute. Uh, I'm like calling my mom to help me. Can you pick up this? I don't have time. Right. <laughs> I spent some. I spent a little bit of money on a few gifts I wanted for Small Business Saturday. Yeah. Oh. I thought we should. Cool. Yeah. So what'd you do on Cyber Monday? I gotta know. Oh, uh, I just bought one thing that I was being nagged to get. So I I thought it was. Simplest solution, path of least resistance, which just get it, <laughs> and then every all the noise will stop. It worked. I two-ish years ago, maybe three now. I don't know. Two, let's call it two. I bought a lawnmower on Cyber Monday. I remember that. I remember you were pretty happy about that. I was. I was like, who'd have guessed this thing could be this Cyber Monday could be useful? A lawnmower. Yeah. That's a good pickup. That is. That was that was the problem I had the other day when I looked on there. It was like some socks or like some other things. I'm like who woke up this morning wanting that? Like Amazon, you really missed the boat. I don't. <laughs> that's not at all what I want. You know, I don't know what I wanted, and that was part of the reason I think I I left so immediately was. Oftentimes when I, I know about, I can get suckered into just a deal. Like, oh, 61% off. Of course I need that insert useless item thing here. So, uh, but yeah, those, so the, the sales were a little bit disappointing hmm. and the numbers were disappointing. The numbers? Yeah. In the Black Friday. Uh. Did you not think so? Are you? I heard. I had something that said that the uh, yeah Cyber Monday was a record breaker. Perhaps Cyber Monday, but Black Friday. I saw that one of the retailer commission something or others that total these numbers are not going to count next year because the last couple of years have been disappointing. And rather than acknowledge that Black Friday may not be you know, the sales day that it's cracked up to be, they're just going to stop tracking it and let it just be romantically Black Friday. Well, isn't it just a losing proposition? I mean, more and more people are not going out to a store to buy. They're buying things online. Mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, it's all, it just seems like every year you're going to see the Black Friday sales maybe go down slightly and the Cyber Monday sales go up. Perhaps. I mean, that's what happened this year. Yeah. Well, then I've heard a lot, too, that with the Black Friday stuff, you just plan ahead a little bit. Like in September, you can get the same deals. Right. Because a lot of the prices are going to be at the same well, so I have an in at Best Buy, and I've been told that Black Friday is not the best day to buy a television. It's uh, right, um, right before the Super Bowl. Right, sure. That's when the best deals on TVs. Right. Are. I was told by a gal at Home Depot that you're foolish if you buy appliances any other time but November and July. Why? Those are the two months that like the appliance huh. sales go nuts. Huh. And we're like limping our refrigerator right now and wanting. Dude, you have one. to wait uh, all the way till July. Well, I was gonna do it in November, and then um, huh. the one I wanted actually came on sale for a very good deal. Uh, but we just, I, we weren't. It wasn't the priority of the moment, given that it's Christmas and yeah. Yeah. a couple of other wants are just slightly ahead of it. Oh. Um, and it's still functional enough. But I, so I watched this for the last several months. I was like, oh, we'll wait till November then. I mean, I don't want to miss out on some great deal. Yeah. And sure enough, the very, uh, it's a Whirlpool refrigerator that we're watching went down um, the first time I saw it go on sale like that. And I saw that it went on sale at Costco and Home Depot. So then I went and checked a few other sites and it looked like November was a pretty good appliance deal. So yeah. that's an interesting thing. Well, I could see things like blankets and things like that. Better to buy it in like July, because yeah. are you gonna, you know, yeah, buy things in the off season. Chances are you're gonna use less blankets in July, but then when you get into November, December, see, it's cold. Nobody wants a new blanket. It's then not it's gonna front be of up. mind, you know. Yeah, that's like why people call the roofer when they see the leak in their living room yeah. in the middle of winter. Something you should have uh -huh. tackled this summer when that roofer was. Looking for work. Looking for work. Now he yeah. can't sleep. Yeah. Bizarro. So, I yeah. You know, we're talking about shopping, Christmas holidays. You know, there's a there's an index that tracks inflation. Mm. <laughs> it, <laughs> I knew you were going to talk about this today. I saw it this week under the headline that. Um, Oh, what is it? It's something outrageous. Like, I wouldn't even know where to get it, but it went up by 3%. Like the 10... Ten Lords of Leaping? Ten Lords of Leaping. <laughs> how do you find... How does one find Ten Lords Leaping? And I would think that you could negotiate off that 3% that it, it jumped this year. I don't know. Cost of labor has gone up. <laughs> And that's really the issue with a lot of these is the cost of labor. I've heard hourly earnings have increased. <laughs> hourly earnings have gone up. So yeah, the, the 12 days of Christmas is a is kind of a fun little um, way to track inflation because it is a year-over-year -year metric. It's, you know, it's seasonally adjusted. And um, and it was up 0.6%. So almost kind of what it was expected, with the right? Economy. Yeah, we're we're below our 2% inflation target when you look at just the 12 days of Christmas items. Um, okay, so on the first day of Christmas, a partridge and a pear tree, do you know that they've gone up about 25% from $20 to $25? Wow. It's quite an increase for a partridge in a pear tree. Yeah, they go the pear tree over to us or something like that. Did the pear tree go up too? 
Oh, I'm sorry. That was just for the partridge. The pear yeah. tree only went up two dollars. Okay. From 188 to 190, that must be for a fully matured pear tree. Yeah, I can't imagine. That's like a pretty that, expensive yeah. pear tree. Well, I mean, it's got to be able to hold a partridge. <laughs> we, it, it can't be like a pear tree <laughs> sprout. It's got to have a, a limb substantial enough to hold a partridge. And I must admit, mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, how big is a partridge? Like the size of like a chucker or a chicken? Or are we talking like a sparrow? Yeah, you know, I'm uh. not sure. <laughs> Turtle doves also climbed higher this year. Uh, As they should. Two turtle doves are $290. Hmm. However, French hens and calling birds, no change in price. (laughs) What about the five (laughs) The government failed failed to regulate those, so their their price stayed. Five gold rings, also the same price as last year. Oh, because gold's gold's not exactly... Not really uh, a big mover. Yeah. Geese, the geese are laying, same. Swans are swimming, same. Classic radio. Uh oh. <laughs> We're taking a break. <laughs> is that your subtle way of kicking me off? There's a lot of things happening. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> that was wild. Yeah, that, that was, was the fun. hook. It was like the Grammys. Yeah. You're taking too much time. Yeah, what was interesting was actually more that. than half of the items on this list were the same price as last year. Um, there were really only a couple of items. Some of those first items that we mentioned and then the uh, Lords of Leaping that went up. Yeah. Huh. Which I got to imagine, this is kind of like when they say the Cambria home values doubled last month because they sold that one house for way more (laughs) out of the two houses that were for sale. Feels that way with the Lords of Leaping. You know what? If you said, I need need the 10 of you. Well, you really, there's only six of us, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get these other four guys to round out the full ten, and then uh, because of that, you're gonna end up paying our price this year. It's not like there's so many lords leaping that you could find a competitive advantage. They're in high demand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's a fun how do you price lords leaping? I I honestly don't know. It's pretty funny the way they do that. It does say in here, though, that the reason for the cost going up is because of labor costs. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to buy all of the items in the 12 Days of Christmas song, you'd spend $34,000. Shoosh, my true love. Just <laughs> just doling gifts upon me. True love gave to me. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was 34 good, grand. So tell me what's going on here, though. Drummers drumming, 2800 bucks. Piper's piping, twenty six hundred bucks. Lords a leaping, fifty five hundred dollars. Ladies dancing, seventy five hundred dollars. Maids a milking, fifty eight bucks. Do we not value maids a milking? No. Only, I mean, eight of them for fifty eight dollars. That's got That's below minimum wage. Well, I gotta um, figure it takes at least an hour to milk a cow. I don't know. I mean, I'm picturing if you really need lords. <laughs> Right? I mean, these are not, this is not common folk. How about ladies dancing? Those are common folk. Yeah. They're $7,500. Well, what if they're the kind of ladies that hang out with lords and not just your, you know, your normal lady? Hmm. All right. I got a, I got a message, Jim. We're having a technical glitch. It sounds like the radio show is, uh, is just an ad and still going. Since that little snafu, it might just be us. We might just be talking to each other. 
on all this good, sure? the real good content though. I don't want to miss this. Make sure you're getting this. Let's try this though. I do want to take a commercial break. I'm slightly nervous that we may have used all of our commercial breaks. <laughs> no, I hit something. So. Yeah, I'm I'm hearing that it's still just a an ad on the. All right, well, let's try a real commercial. Maybe the show will come on. Yeah, hit it. Oh, we came back. All right, there we go. <laughs> commercial. Yeah, sorry Here we about go. that. All right. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Our loans are not trucked in from some big bank. They're raised right here on the Central Coast. No hormones, no GMOs, no antibiotics. Call today and get your gluten-free mortgage from a caring lender that knows you only accept the best for your family. Just call Central Coast Lending. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. On the first day of Christmas, my true love sent to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love said to me, to turn and the partridge in the All right, guys, welcome back. Sorry about the technical difficulties here. We had a something happen. I mean, not entirely sure what, but no one's to blame. Jim said sorry, but come uh, on, Jim. Well, I forgot that, you know, when you, I was trying to find the 12 days at Christmas, and I forgot you can't use the numbers on the keyboard. Oh. So I put in 12, 12 commercials, and, and one, it just two. fired 12 yeah, commercials there at There it is. You know, instead of T, I hit the one. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. It's okay. So man. it's totally I my fault. I forgive you. I forgive you. Yeah. 
it happens every now and again too you know i just right now is when i'm thankful you're not the guy running like the the nuke button or something yeah just having that oh slip. sorry <laughs> you know all you did was start a commercial yeah. a little prematurely but yeah. thankfully we didn't Boy. just decimate some island somewhere yeah shoosh yeah who needed uh american samoa or something like that i mean sorry wow just picking on people i feel like we need it all we need them all yeah. we need them all sorry about that so now given that we didn't do the show last week there's been oh so much to talk about and um we actually had a, a few different things here that i think uh, we could spend a little bit of time on first i think worth discussing is probably some housing news wondering how housing's going i mean what's the general sentiment out there um it's still it still seems like things are going very well the the people that i'm working with that are pre-qualified and looking for homes are still competing to buy homes um I had a gal, I'm working with a gal right now that's trying to sell her house to buy a replacement home. And she successfully negotiated a contingent contract. So the the house she wants to buy, that contract has a clause in it that um, she's able to sell her home and she has 45 days to do so. And she was obviously a little bit nervous that it might, you know, it might not sell for, it may not sell fast enough. It may not sell at all. Uh, or that that her need to do a short time frame might cause her to take an offer or be force her hand maybe to, to not get what she wants. And, um, within the first day on the market had like seven offers, three of which were all cash. So I, I just keep hearing stories like that where it seems like things that are priced well are selling very quickly. Um, and it sounds like a, a reasonably safe market to be in. Um, Kind of taking a look at, at what, what's been going on here. Case and Schiller National Home Price Index. Um, this index has a two-month lag. So when we're, as of right now, the data that we just received was for the month of September. So it's a couple months old um, when we get it. But it's also kind of nice, though, because it gives you uh, almost a, a recent historical look. But the comparisons of year over year... But I like the comparisons of year over year. I also like the 10 and 20 city composites that sort of give you a bigger, almost blended average of what's going on in in a couple different areas here. Um, so this showed a slightly higher year over year gain with a 4.9% annual increase in September. Uh, 4.6%. For the previous year over year, September 14, 13 to 14. Okay, so how's that? I mean, a 4.9% appreciation rate for your housing. That's at the, I would suggest probably the high end of what you, of normal or what you'd ideally like to see. Yeah. We talk about that range being three to 5%. Yeah. And 
And right now, you know, I don't hear too much talk about a bubble. I mean, we're not seeing bubble talk all the time. Although every once in a while, you see a story right now suggesting that real estate values recovered so well from 2012, so well, so rapidly um, that that there's got to be concern of bubble. We do a pretty good job of dispelling that bubble talk pretty quick, um, you know, based on a variety of factors. But so 4.9% um, on the year over year, the 10% composite uh, index increased 5% and the 20 city was 5.5 versus 5.1 the month before. So those those actually seem to indicate that nationally, I, I would almost say we're right where we should be in, in maybe even a little bit hotter than we should be nationally. Yeah, but it makes sense given the short supply that your prices are still a little on the high side. I mean, we have been doing this so long that your the segues you have are unreal. <laughs> Because I was gonna, I wanted you to somehow bring us to talk about existing home sales, which we just learned fell a little bit. Let's let's go ahead and just uh, and take a phone call here, we'll, and we'll get back into the the run. I see it mapped out in my head, Dan. Yeah, all right. We've got Amy calling in from Bradley. Good morning, Amy. I I just sold a house in Bradley, and you're right. If it's priced right, it's going to sell. And there are a lot of buyers out there, and not all of them qualify. What happened to me was I have a good realtor, but the buyer's somebody else's agent, right? Yep. And they say they've got excellent, their credit was good, but their choice of lenders was terrible. Yeah. And it cost, it cost like two more months on a deal that should have closed. That we agreed on like 30 days or 45 days or something and ended up double that wow. because of the lender. So be careful who the buyer's lender is. That's very true. Who was it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Please don't say No, because I'm the seller. I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. I had a really good, you know, my escrow was good. My, uh, that other lady, I can't tell you how bad she was. But it closed. It closed. Well, thank you, Lucky Stars, for that. I it blew up at one point. Yeah, thank you, Lucky Stars, for that. Because sometimes I feel like when they get derailed it's like the things on life support and nobody wants to pull the plug but um i'm glad that it finally came across the finish line for you <laughs> let's let's chalk it up to all's well that ends well yeah just watch out <laughs> who the buyer's lender is that's all yeah, i'm that's, saying that's that's safe advice out. yeah awesome well congrats amy and thanks for the call and feedback appreciate it <laughs> By the way, if anybody else wants to call and share experiences with us about selling things or buying things, um, disagreeing with the remarks we make, or maybe even agreeing, you're certainly welcome to. We, we love those kinds of phone calls. Um, Dan, you, you made the excellent statement that uh, there's, a, there's a lower volume right now, and that's, that's for sure. And we do know how to track the volume um, kind of annualized and, and month this year over year this month or whatever. We know how to track what's going on there. And that's that's been one of the constant headlines that we've been seeing for a little while here is that um, some existing homes, so these are those homes that are already lived in, right? It's not a brand new home. Those are tracked under a separate metric. But those in the month of October fell 3.4%. 
Um, and this is a figure, I mean, still five and a third million. Um, it, it was, I mean, that's a ton of homes, right? I mean, that's a national stat. Um, uh, plenty of homes still selling, but it reminds us that volume is a little bit weak. And there's a variety of reasons why volume is weak. There aren't a lot of suitable replacements out there. Some people just don't want to move because they don't want to be subject to finding a new home in this market and having to settle if right if time runs out. And then there's some other people too really want to move. Say you made that stroke of genius. You bought your house in 2011. You've already packed it. Couple. We have a deal right now for a guy that bought a house. So you own an investment property that's underwater by $100,000. And then he bought a primary residence in 2011. I mean, they were financially solvent enough to still be able to buy another home, even though this one was a major loser. The primary residence that he bought in 2011 now has like 200 grand in equity, just based on market appreciation. So he's actually doing a cash out refinance on his owner occupied, harvest some equity, to put into the non-owner occupied so that he can get a better interest rate loan term and lower that payment down a little bit, kind of try to blend the two out to level the ship. That's pretty cool. The people that have done that, that have experienced those great gains in equity over the last couple of years, guess what? Your low tax base is now keeping you set. Um, and I've, I've certainly met with some people in the last few months that are in that boat. Whoa. The house that you know I bought for two hundred fifty thousand, sure it's worth four hundred thousand dollars now, but the tax base is on two fifty. You scrap that and then go buy your upgrade house for five or six hundred thousand. Talk about doubling the property taxes from two hundred fifty dollars a month to, to five or six hundred dollars a month. People, that that's where it makes you go, oh, that I, yeah, I wanted to move. Everybody's like. Oh, it'd be nice. Moving's kind of exciting. Get in a, a cool neighborhood or have a better view. Maybe a maybe buy a house that already has a remodeled kitchen so I don't have to do that. And then you see the property tax change. Huh. Maybe this house ain't so bad. Yeah, all you're thinking about is the difference in the mortgage payment. I mean, how much do you this, see your view anyway? <laughs> the insurance is usually more expensive. Of course it is. Yeah. The taxes are, are definitely more. So these are the things that cause that limited supply. You know, people are right now, not to mention how many years did people get loans for 3% 30-year fix? Three and a half, three and a quarter, three and three quarters. All rates that are pretty much unavailable today, at least affordably unavailable. So selling that home and buying a new one, that's going to be a problem. You're going to have to get current market rate. It's 4%. If you're one of the luck dogs that has a 3% 30-year fixed right now, just going up by 1% on a few hundred grand, you're talking three or 400 bucks a month in interest. Now you're talking increased property taxes by three or 400 bucks a month. Suddenly, you realize that their house payment is a thousand bucks less right now. Um, than if they took that plunge and moved. So we see that in there. Um, pending home sales, by the way, this is a metric that tracks um, how many homes that are offered for sale are going into contract. And that index rose for the month of October, um, probably short of most expectations, but um, still year over year gains. Um, we're, we're getting into contract on on. Most of the homes that are offered for sale, no problemo. 
Um, and then we got a reading. Do you remember the, I, I'm going to set you up here to, uh, see how close you guys are paying attention. September new home sales. No, it was wildly disappointing. Do you remember? It was bad, bad. No, actually, <laughs> um, they plummeted in the month of September. I mean, it was down 12.9%. And that was a kind of a head scratcher as everybody's going, whoa, into the summer, right? I mean, you're, those are kind of your last ones, the month of September, the last summer sales of the, the summer building season coming to an end. And you would expect that those numbers would have been pretty good. But the numbers were down 12.9%, which was, um, I think, now proves to be a little bit of an anomaly uh, because we found out that October new home sales climbed 10.7%. So right on the heels, a bit of a rebound, perhaps smoothing over some of those rough edges on concern about what might be happening in the new home sales world. But all in all, the takeaway here is that... Um, there seems like it's lower volume, but good sales prices, good conversion of listing to contract, um, and this is an existing and new home sales, uh, and that we're seeing stable and increasing property values um, nationally. So, what do you see like um, like Pismo this week? I, I don't think there are any any new building permits. Yeah, they the put water. A, yeah they put a building moratorium on. New so, lot building permits in uh, so, Pismo. Yeah, like Pismo, Shell Beach, maybe even Grover, the five cities. What do you want? What do situation. you want me to say about this? You're gonna ask, yeah. you're gonna bait me to stepping into this problem yeah. here. Yeah. Um, you know, I I've I can hear the arguments in my own head from both sides there. Yeah. Um, then there's a fair yeah. argument to be made that new homes are much more water efficient than existing or old homes. And I, I, it's a good start, I think, to cause some slowdown and let's, let's not just keep building. Um, it'd be nice to see some uh, better retrofit and bringing things up to code. Paso Robles, I mean, we, we didn't talk much about this, but Paso Robles recently changed their policy on whether or not you can have a lawn. Did you guys see this? Yeah. Yeah, the now if you want to, and I think this is for new homes built. But if you oh, want to have yeah, a yeah. lawn out front, you're going to have to get a permit for it. That's crazy. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I understand it. I guess. Well, that's pretty interesting for Pismo. Um, I mean, we've seen it in other areas too. We've seen it yeah. in Cambria, Los Osos. I think Cayucas has had a thing where, in order to build, you have to retrofit other structures in the area yeah. to try to offset the water usage. But Pismo is already one of the highest priced um, cities in our county. It's so it's uh, only going to get worse now. That it's top. I mean, it, there's. I think you know when we look at the area, we're looking even into northern Santa Barbara County. We see Santa Ynez as one of the top ones, um, Avila Beach, uh, Cayucas, and then Pismo. Pismo is always there in the top five, like close to eight fifty nine hundred thousand. I think is like the median home price in Pismo Beach. Yeah. Not building homes in Pismo is only going to make that, you know, the scarcity issue is going to cause prices to continue to go higher there, yep. which is good if you own, bad if you're trying to get in. Well, I'm not really up on all the water issues with Paso Robles either, but it would seem to me that maybe we need to look at the wineries. 
because of the, I don't know, the wineries. I mean, that's going to piss off a wine. Well, major, and we've but made maybe that comment before. I don't know. And, you know, allowing more wineries may not be a good idea. It's definitely when you look at water usage, it's yeah. residential compared to you know agricultural yeah. uses uses of water. I mean, agriculture obviously uses a lot of water, but it's also providing a return on that on that water usage. There's there's the food that we eat and the wine that we drink yeah. and the you know all the different products that we enjoy that kind of takes water to make the other stuff that we need. I, I err more on the side that California is essentially a desert where the norm is drought. And if you actually go look at some really long-term models, what yes. you find is that we had an unusually wet century, and that just unfortunately happens to be the century that we settled and expanded yeah. much of California. So now we're beginning to see what this place <laughs> is really like. Yeah. And... Um, you know, my my favorite statement about water is we are not going to run out of water likely ever. <clears throat> We're going to run out of cheap water, and that's likely happening now. So um, there you go. We'll we'll have to figure out how to to live within our means on the on all resources, not just water. Um, see how that goes. It'll likely be an uphill battle the whole way. On the positive side with that yeah. topic, though, I've started to see some stories coming out of the Tahoe area that the snowpack is improving up Come there. Come on. I mean, it's I know it's early in the the water recovery game, but it's it's getting better with the the you know start to the winter we've already had. So that's already a good sign. I hope that you know it only continues and we can build upon this positive momentum. This El Nino, I mean, it's just it's going to cure everything in one winter. Uh, yeah, I mean, yet to be seen. But I was I was happy to see the snowpack improving because when I think of an El Nino winter, I think of a warm winter. Yeah, the pineapple that could Express. potentially be bad for a snowpack. So this is it's good that I'm hearing those kinds of stories. Yeah, when you know, I I spent middle school and high school years living in Big Bear, and that economy up there very much depends on. Um, a winter. I mean, the best years that we could have. My my family and and everybody's family seemed to really thrive when we had a good long cold snowy winter, and those were seemed like they were becoming less and less as as years went on. But the El Nino years were always so stressful because you knew there was going to be a lot of precipitation. The trouble is, it was generally too warm. And I, that that was one of the things I worry about with the snowpack now is what you want is to get lots of pre precipitation that would help add to that. But warm, um, you know, southern hemisphere rain doesn't exactly make good snow. It's 943, so we need to do our final commercial break of the hour here. Um, there's still a lot yet to come. Don't uh, don't forget that we had a jobs report come out yesterday, so we've got some stuff to talk about with that. So uh, stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. 
Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. I see you at our kids' Little League games. I bump into you at the grocery store, and it's always fun when we pass each other at Farmer's Market. I'm not a national bank or a faceless website. I'm a local lender, accountable, competitive, and ready to help. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328358. What a state of generosity. Look what my age agent got for me just by switching to state farm a few hundred unexpected bucks i couldn't ask for more but now i've got to figure out what i should use it for a new bike would be radical but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm get to a better state state farm switch to state farm and you could save to find out more in san luis obispo call agent susan rodriguez through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Hello, it's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to meet to go over. I guess I like the song. Come on. It's a good song. Yeah. I was going to sing it for everyone and then you talked. So like, but then I realized I'm not just in my car alone. You stole my, my <laughs> mojo. Sorry, Jason. Do you want to start over? Negative. Can you hear me? She kind of says hello. Yeah. Hello. Where's she from? England. Uh, yeah, she's the. Like, that's why. Uh, that's why she's on the other side, huh? Mm -hmm. In California, the other side. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you were talking about home sales and, and prices and, like. and things yeah. like that. Wanted to just give you a little snapshot of what's going on here, a little closer to home. Um, these numbers were for October. Again, a little bit of a lag. Um, in October, in San Luis Obispo County, we saw the median home price uh, up 12.4% year over year. So a lot stronger than the national number, around 5%. Um, the the actual median home... Wait, how high? Uh, the October to October number, uh, the, the increase in the median home price was 12.4%. That's too high. And, and the uh, median home price... For October 2015 was at 492,250. Um, number of homes sold up 9.1 percent year over year. Over 400 units sold in October. Um, so pretty, pretty strong showing here locally. Not unexpected given what we see. You know what? 
You know what I thought was interesting too is that this last week the um, FHFA, so this is the Federal Home Finance <laughs> Federal Authority. Housing Finance Authority. So close. I got the authority part. Are right? you going to talk about loan limits? Yeah. Yeah. How does Slow County not rank for needing some kind of loan limit increase? Because you you drop these numbers that the median home price now is four hundred and ninety two thousand dollars. How you said? Yeah. I remember a few years ago. It wasn't that high. So there's the Housing and Economic Recovery Act, HERA. HERA. Passed in 2008. And it was in response to the crash that was occurring in housing, well, housing values. Right. And so the conforming loan limit is the the number well, at which Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will make loans. Well, yeah, and let me tell you this, just to kind of put this into a little bit of context. One of the big, 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 big problems that we had in this housing crash here was the Alt-A and that's alternative A paper. That's what that Alt-A nickname is. So if Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are A paper loans, the alternative a paper loans, Alt A. This was things like the stated income loan, the negatively amortizing loan, the 80-20 loan, all these programs that made things more affordable. They evaporated overnight. So if you bought a home with one of these products or you were selling a home that was above the conforming loan limit, if there if there was some financing need, which was very present. In parts like high high cost areas of California, which I'm going to argue, I think we're one of them. Um, all of a sudden, poof, it's gone. The framework. I talk about the, literally the carpet being pulled out from under you. It's like we're really sorry, but your condo complex now has zero lending opportunity. Your jumbo loan is dead and gone. And you know, if you were trying to sell a house for seven hundred thousand dollars, yeah, just go ahead and keep declining until you get down closer to those conforming loan limits, which are at four hundred and seventeen grand. So. While the government's actively trying to figure out how do you thaw the credit market, one way to thaw it is to make that um, the HERA, the acronym, housing. <laughs> That's the Housing and Economic Recovery Act of 2008. Evidently, I'm not very good at knowing. <laughs> I know what the acronyms are and do. I don't know what the words are they're based on. But it expands some of these loan limits in areas to help get things moving because of the absence of other available lending solutions. And in addition to creating those high-cost areas, which I, I don't know how many people are aware that you know Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they usually have a conforming loan limit. They have one limit at up to which they will lend. Well... Part of this act was to create a high cost loan limit, or, or what we call a high balance loan. And so Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac now have these temporary loan limits that exceed the conforming loan limit. So it creates this middle tier of lending opportunity. Um, you still get the same great Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac guidelines and low interest rates. The interest rates on that middle tier are about an eighth of a point higher than the conforming loans. So in addition to creating these high cost areas, it also froze the conforming loan limit at 417000 until home values um, were able to recover past the levels in the third quarter of 2007. So that's the benchmark that Hera is looking at, is quarter three, 2007. Um, now, a lot of the cities 
And let me back up just a moment. So in normally these conforming, the FHFA would look at home prices across the country and establish the conform, conforming loan limit up or down from the previous year, depending on if prices went up or down. But because prices were crashing down, um, rather than just you know cutting the conforming loan limit from four seventeen down to two hundred because home prices fell right. in half, you know that would just wipe out all kinds Thank of opportunities to get a that. loan. They didn't do that. They said no, no, no. That's not a good way to help keep money moving in a crashing housing market. We're going to freeze our loan limit at four seventeen with this Hera Act. So that's what's currently governing our loan limits right now, and. They went through and they looked at all these areas and and while many areas have reached the Q3 2007 levels again and some have gone over it, when they apply all these metrics that they established in Hera, still a lot of the areas needed the Hera limit enforced. So 417 remains the limit. There were 39 counties in the entire country that were identified as needing increases to the middle tier that high balance loan limit four of those counties are in california, california. not slow none of county. them none of those four were so slower Ooh. santa barbara county um it was monterey county napa county san diego county and sonoma county that received some limits the limit increases were pretty modest i mean like ten thousand dollar limit increases not not anything huge so they visit this stuff every year right and they go through and try to figure out whether or not we're on the right track to be on. And you remember a few years ago in Slow County, as well as Santa Barbara County, we were able to do a conforming loan to 729 right. something. 729.3, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. A there lot. Was a, it was really high. There was a temporary high cost limit in place that you know, about two years ago went away. Yeah, they went and rolled it back on everyone. And one of the things that I saw was a pretty reasonable explanation, in fact, was they considered in that county that you're deciding on, how often do they utilize these loan limits? And um, in Slow County is like less than one quarter of the high limit loans we're utilizing one, I'm sorry, one quarter of like 1%. It was such a minuscule number that you couldn't justify holding the program open anymore because of lack of utilization. So that, that spurred some interesting conversation this week, though, is, um, yeah, me and my friends talk about this nerdy stuff, even when we're not here on the radio. Um, but it begs to wonder, like, how come? Because we have those million-dollar houses here in Slow. I got an idea. It's because for the first several years of the housing recovery, there was no jumbo financing at all. Jumbo financing was primarily done by institute by private institutions. It wasn't passed through the government. Right. right? The government wasn't. It wasn't going through Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac or FHA or VA. It wasn't going that way. It was going into a bank portfolio and being held that way. And so banks across the board were having all kinds of financial problems and stopped making those portfolio jumbo loans because they had to beef up their um, their reserves to meet the new CFPB requirements. Yeah. So only in the last couple of years has jumbo lending started to thaw, which probably made those higher, higher balance loans um, really not 
be utilized at all. Yeah, and here in San Luis, and I think a little bit of Santa Barbara too, consider the chain, the difference in the economic base. Many of the people that are buying the million and $2 million homes here, these aren't the people that are working in slow. Maybe some of the elite business owners are buying $2 million houses here, but by and large, a lot of our upper end housing market here in Slow County is from people that are cashing in real estate in other areas and coming here to retire where lots of cash transactions, lots of people that have very expensive second homes here on the coast from the valley, you know, essentially they're either already flush with assets and able to pay cash or they're working from outside the area their economic basis to support this purchase here isn't happening right here in slow um, those other counties where people are working and earning and doing a little bit um, kind of i would argue more in the local rat race where they've got a six seven eight hundred thousand dollar home um, monterey Napa, San Diego, and Sonoma counties are the counties that were um, expanded a little bit under this this recent update. So it missed slow. All in all, not that big of a deal. Um, and there is, by the way, a process, though, if you're interested in contesting that, um, you can complain that you don't feel your county was given the uh, appropriate look at whether or not you would benefit from some increased loan amount. So going forward for 2016, just to recap, um, for San Luis Obispo County, we've got a $417,000 conforming loan limit at and which- a $561,000 Five sixty one two hundred um, high balance loan limits. So those right. are all your Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans under those limits. Yep, um, and those are those great A paper loans. Yep, and the, the only difference for Santa Barbara County is that their high balance limit goes all the way to six twenty five five hundred. So right. a little bit higher high balance limit in Santa Barbara County. Yep. The programs are available. They're, I mean, they're well known. We're not new to them. We've been doing this for a few years now. And um, if if you benefit from one of those, um, either want to look at what it takes to do a purchase loan on those programs um, or a refinance loan, uh, definitely worth exploring something that we're able to help you with. Uh, and we're happy to do so. You can give us a call and we'll see if we can start the conversation and get you going down the right path. Um, 543 loan, that's a number that rings all of our offices. And likewise, we've got information about these programs, these loan limits, uh, loan calculators, um, all those resources. You can find them on our website. It's centralcoastlending.com. Guys, we're gonna be taking Oh, about a five-minute break here. This is the top of the hour break. So this is the time where uh, we want you to, you know, go get refreshed. In fact, maybe you need to call somebody and tell them that you're listening to Mortgage Matters and that it's just, you know, amazing and they should too. So we're going we're gonna to take this break. We'll be back in a few minutes with another hour of Mortgage Matters. Stick with us. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason.
All right, everybody, welcome back. It's been the first hour here talking about the, uh, well, perhaps the best segment so far was um, the uh, <laughs> cost index here for the 12 days of Christmas. We found out that it's it's right in line with what we would have expected. I mean, should I should I have tried to pen you down and say, Dan, how much do you think this index would have gone up over the course of last year? You would have you would have said somewhere between flat and oh one point nine percent, right? <laughs> sure. I mean, I probably would have aired, I probably would have got darn close to that point six percent. That's pretty funny. And then we're we're that pesky labor. Probably would have even been able to get a discount. <laughs> that's, what you, that's what you want, right? But now what if they had done this uh, study here on on uh, Black Friday? The $34,000 Oh, uh, you think there would have been some serious discounts I mean, on the 12 days of Christmas? I would expect at least 40% if you're going <laughs> to motivate, motivate me to buy this. Uh, and boy, what a gift. What a set of gifts, right? Uh, every now and again for like my uh, anniversary be a big fan or of something for my wife or... You know, you know, when you're like looking for a gift for somebody that you've been buying gifts for for all too long, I'll do like, oh, well, here's like a, a gift certificate for a manicure, pedicure, and then like a massage, and then maybe like some movie tickets and like a dinner gift card. That's like a cool little, that's like a good anniversary present or something like that. That isn't no $34,000 12 days of Christmas type of shopping. Those are some good gifts on that list. And just in case you guys are wondering what to get me for Christmas, I'd be happy with um, Ten Lords leaping. If they, sh <laughs> if if I were somewhere and Ten Lords showed up to leap simply for me, I guess I'd take it. Uh, I mean that or some of those Beats earbuds, you know, for whatever. Just in case you were wondering. Um, Could yeah. you imagine those lords a-leaping on your big trampoline in your backyard? That'd be fun. <laughs> I mean, they've got to be really good at that. And I'm probably going to interrupt the leaping to kind of find out, what are you lord of? Where are you from? What's your domain? Sire. <laughs> How do I address these Sire. lords? And is it just me or are we all picturing them in like golden tights? I want to know how they come up with the number for eight maids of milking. Well, because it starts with M. The number, like what they're, yeah, what they would cost, like or like just the how, fact that there's how, eight. How of them. do you come up with the number for eight maids of milking? It's well, because it's the going rate. You look the at eighth day. How much is a maid a, a, a maid of milking oh, cost, and yeah. then times eight? That's, you're wondering. Yeah, you're wondering more about the cost of that. Yeah. yeah. It, suppose uh, that you had like a, a heifer that. that we needed to have milk today, and we put <laughs> yeah. an ad on Craigslist. Yeah. We're gonna find that sweet spot in the market where um, okay. a maid and perhaps her seven friends would be willing to come milk okay. for us. I guess swans. it's crazy to me that you can find a maid of milking for less than um, le about seven bucks. Yeah. I mean, that's really what because eight of them are fifty eight dollars. So mm. it's a little over seven dollars for one maid. You know, the one bird. It's eating. pretty crazy. That's I mean, it's a good value. That must be a national figure because California's minimum wage is nine dollars an hour. Yeah. So I just I don't understand unless they're oh. only maybe working a half hour or something. 
It probably used to be a little bit more, but now we use hormones to keep the cows lactating and machines that actually milk them. And oh. so it's it's gotten a lot more affordable to milk. So yeah. now it's like a made machine. It's not you're picturing like an actual like breathing living Person. made. Oh, yeah. This is a made machine. Gotcha. How much was seven swans a swimming? Because we got to the other birds, we didn't get to the swans. Well, see, all you know, the, they were the same. The partridge yeah. and the turtle doves went up, but the French hens, the calling birds, the geese laying, and the swans a swimming, all stayed the same from last year. Okay. But yeah. to answer your question, swans, seven of them, thirteen thousand one twenty-five. Dang. Pretty expensive. That's a lot of money. But these are swimming swans too, not just the ones that sit around and eat bread. Okay. So there's, a, I mean, they've got talent. Okay. So they're more expensive. <laughs> I'm hung up on that, and it sounds unreasonable <laughs> to me. Yet, I mean, because I just got a picture of some folk buying some swans, and yeah, I guess that would happen if you were in the market for. I'm picturing like you know one of these wealthy entertainers or athletes that has like a good spread in Hollywood, and they've got a pond, and they're just needing swans for it. I imagine swans are going to be a couple thousand bucks. Well, and they're jumping right into swans. They're not starting with their own little ugly duckling that turns into a swan. Right. They're not doing the ugly duckling rearing yeah, that's required to get to swan to do that? Yeah. So that's why. And as crazy as I think that is, I know several people this year that have like personal acquaintances of mine that have paid thousands of dollars for a puppy. <laughs> It's crazy, huh? It's a a blankadoodle, whatever you wanted mixed with a, a poodle, and it's a thousands of more dollars. So I suppose that there are folk out there willing to spend that kind of money on a swan. <laughs> cool, you just bought yourself a two thousand dollar pair of really sharp teeth for the yeah, next two years, right? <laughs> and does your when your puppy's five grand, does it still wake you up at two a.m. to pee? Because if so, man, you got ripped off. Uh boy. Hey, so here's some big news, Dan, and I don't. I, I'm ready. I, I wonder if you're aware. Hmm. The feds might raise rates this month. <laughs> this month. I've heard that. Well, they might announce whatever they're going to do this Diciembre. month. Diciembre. Yeah. About a 75% chance. And I heard I, yesterday it was up to 79. Oh, 79 so close. Uh, so, yeah, the feds are meeting on December 15th and 16th. And it's been a handful of data. The markets, the markets have, have really been volatile the last couple of weeks, up and down, most there, recently up. There was no real chance of a Fed rate raise in the month of November, right? Right. So the I don't prior, even think they met in November. They didn't, they didn't meet in November. Because the prior of month of October was not very likely either. Um, all we could really say was... And this is what the feds kept saying. We're going to watch this data. We're going to make sure we're on a good path. We're going to make sure that we're doing good. We're going to decide then based on data. So back in October, what was said, it's all going to be in the data, man. Watch what happens with house stuff. And we already talked about house stuff this morning. It's pretty good, right? Nashville looks pretty good. It's, at the, it's actually, it's at the, uh, even with rates stepping up, um, 
a decent amount over where they lived for the two years prior. This last couple years, rates have been higher and housing still chipping along, doing just fine. And we see that in all aspects of housing, uh, including the values. So what else? Oh, there's jobs reports. So they were going to get to chew on a November jobs report and then have um, about 10 days to spend with a December jobs report to have a good look and see how's the labor market doing. Um, and so we learned on Friday uh, this jobs report, these numbers are out now. They're good. It is good. 211,000 jobs added. Um, shoosh. Unemployment rate remained at 5% nationally. Yeah. Construction was one of the big gainers, adding 46,000 jobs. Biggest increase in construction jobs in two years. What do you think about that? That's, I mean, it's great. Those are That's all, great. those are all pretty good numbers. And, um, it means that over the course of the year, we, we met the objective for 2015 in terms of, I mean, would you have liked to added 290,000 jobs average per month, every month? Sure. sure. But just holding this threshold of a, a plus 200,000 jobs per month average is pretty good. Um, and so, yeah, you're exactly right. The feds have, um, this on their plate to decide and the folks that want to give you some percentage of likelihood are heading towards a 79%. There's some part of me that wants to say 79%. That's a reasonably good chance. But at the same time, 79% is also not that good. I mean, when my kid, if <laughs> one of my kids comes home with a 79%, I'm like, Whew, that's not, that's not that strong, bud. In this in this context, it's a pretty strong number. You know, a lot of it's what the people being polled want. Sure, they want the Fed to make a move. There's a lot of logical reasons why they will. Um, logic doesn't always prevail in these scenarios, as we've seen um, over the years. But there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, we one of the primary ones that I've been thinking about lately is the first quarter economic numbers. The last two years have been awful awful negative yeah. gdp um t you know jobs numbers that aren't particularly inspiring um so doing this rate hike now before we get into a seasonal time of year that's not great economically is the right move you're not going to have a lot of ammunition to make that move when hiring is slowing down, when people are maybe getting laid off after the holiday season. But at the same time, though, that's like suggesting that it, when you're coming down with the flu, that's a great time to break an ankle. <laughs> I'm saying before. Before. Right? Wait, what? Are, what? My point being is You that don't want to raise rates when economic activity is slowing oh i thought that's you were, what i'm saying i thought you were Which suggesting would be the first quarter right but that but that's the good reason to do it now exactly you're are you are you arguing my point for me no i'm <laughs> no we're back on track now okay. my my remark was a good one is that do you really want to compound what you know is coming anyway there's already going to be a little bit of slough in the sale right. for this first quarter. It happens every winter. So doing especially, it now while things look rosy is a great time to do it. Especially where we're heading into an El Nino. 
right? We get my we might see some flooding, we might see some temporary layoffs, we might see some shutdowns, we might see some lapse in manufacturing, we could see disruption of oil, we could see transportation become a problem. I mean, you remember just a couple of years ago, we had an awfully cold winter, which then like froze out all of the Northeast. And, uh, and we ended up with this being the scapegoat for all the economic woes across the nation. So if you have an idea that we're heading into that winter month, is that the right time to do it? Well, some people are, are wondering, yeah, if 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 bad times are potentially ahead, why would you want to why would you want to raise rates now? You well, almost leave them and let things spur on and hope that that shot in the arm can pull you through one more potential slow season. But is it a shot in the arm when it's just maintaining what we've had for the last four or five years? I would suggest that. You know, if economic activity slows down in the first quarter of 2016, as we've seen in 2015 and 2014, um, what tools do the, does the Fed have to employ today to help spur the economy on? They can't lower rates anymore. You could go to negative rates. I guess you could. I mean, we partially thought the ECB was going to do that last week anyway. I, I But this would be the tool that gets Put back in the bag. Put back in the sure. bag so that if we need it later, we have it again. I, I'm going to err more on the, I think they may do it December 15th, if only for the reason that um, it's it's sort of a sleeper month right now where there's lots of closed days, lots of half days. Business is sort of out and away. People aren't paying such close attention um, and, and waiting for the first of the year, right? I mean, you... When the first year comes, that's where you're really going to go. Okay, this a, it's a new quarter, it's a new year. I got to hit the ground running and make everything happen. Um, right now, I think a lot of people are already detaching. There are so many reasons why work isn't the most important thing in my life this month, and um, because of that, what a great time for the feds to slip one in. And then by the time the first hits that rate hikes already a couple weeks behind us, it was only a quarter of a point, not much changed to happen anyway. It's light trading volume in the market anyway, might just be a good time to just kind of, Oh, dip the toe in the pool and see what happens. One of the, the conversations that started to pop up this week was, not just, you know, whether it's not whether or not they will raise in December. You know, it's it seems likely it could be pushed off. Could who knows? But the conversation started to turn to pace of increases. The same economists who believe that the Fed will act this month also believe that there will be four rate hikes in 20 in the next 12 months. Which they is believe, likely to be one point total over where it is right correct. now. They believe that the pace of hikes will be a quarter point per quarter. Um, there were some other opinions that maybe there'd only be about three rate hikes in the next 12 months. But And right now we're at zero to quarter percent. So, so you'd be talking about somewhere between three quarters to one and a quarter percent overnight rate. Yeah. Still pretty insignificant. Right. Oh, yeah. And these rates have been... We haven't had a rate hike in, what is it now? It's like... Oh, I think it was 10, 2006 was the last one. Yeah, we're it's, heading it's into 10 approaching years. approaching 10 years since the last rate hike. So, yeah, that that's the uh, that's the other reason why I'm going to argue that I won't be shocked if December is the month. Because 
I can totally see the Fed's raising rates for the first time in 10 years by a quarter of a percent and then making the assurance that they won't do that again until they've had ample time to see how it fits and maybe even saying for at least a whole quarter or maybe even half a year to make some comment to, that calms the market in a way that we've never seen the Fed even have to do before. I could totally see that happening. And, you know, I will we'll have no choice but to see how it fits. But I think I do. I think above all else, Dan, you're right. The, the really the goal here um, and usually you raise rates when you're having, um, you know, what runaway inflation you're having problems where economically you've got to do a little something to cool something off. That's clearly not what's happening right now. I think it's a desire. We are artificially holding rates down. And rather than using the terminology raise rates, I'm preferring now to discuss this as normalizing rates. As the economy approaches normal, let's begin normalizing rates. And the biggest benefit we have in normalization is that you have that tool back in the bag. If we run onto the rocks again and have some major setback economically, um, and, and man, you remember what those things are. The first one I remember on my watch, like as a professional, um, it was right after 9-11. That was a time where it was like, whoa, that was shocking. And that that really did have a big impact in the economy. And some of the things that happened there in order to, to make business work, these are the kind of tools that you need to have in the bag. And when you have all these tools out at one time, um, you don't have yourself a lot of fight left in you if you need some kind of stimulus. So we've slowly been taking each of the stimulus off the table putting them back in the bag and and really preparing ourselves for the next time we need them. And, um, and I think that that's really what it is. Allow interest rates to normalize as this economy is normalizing, the housing market is normalizing, the workforce is normalizing, and it's just time to start to return to normal. And uh, I, I know, I mean, I said this before, it's, it's the anticipation is greater than the deed, I think is so true in this case. And our markets now, you've seen the volatility lately. We're all a little bit panicked that we don't know what's about to happen. Um, so we kind of just need to, at this point, I, I'll concede, I think it's time to just let it happen. Let's make that first step towards interest rate normalization and see what happens. When I heard about these expectations for pace of increase, it was it was reassuring to me that it would be a slow pace. For, for those of you who don't who haven't paid attention in the past, about the typical pace of fed rate increases this is pretty what's what's being the expectations are are pretty slow increases yeah. um when i remember um like i think it was 2003 that there were some increases all the way through to 2006 i mean we'd see it where they would jump on a monthly basis anywhere from a quarter to a half a point and it it, it was pretty fast i mean the the month rates were moving month. fast and every month you had to pay attention because it was it was going along this is a much more this will sounds like it's going to be a much more controlled pace uh there was some testimony by the fed chair janet yellen on capitol hill this week and she more or less said that same thing that we don't want to get ahead of ourselves and we do start increasing rates we don't want to 
you know, we kind of want to see how the economy reacts and, and not go too fast. Um, inflation was cited as one of the issues, which raising rates usually is to help slow inflation down. We obviously don't have a, a an inflation problem, I mean, at least not by the metrics that we all look at and rely on. So um, that's another reason why they will keep this nice slow pace. Also, our friends in Europe, they're still doing stimulus um, cutting rates. They didn't do some bond buying like was expected, but um, you know they're still recovering. So we can't get too far ahead of our of our other economic allies either, as far as the rate situation goes. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see, and we're not going to have an update on this next week, though. I'm sure we'll speculate about it a little bit more. But on the December 15th and December 16th, that's the two-day meeting, and that's where we're gonna we're gonna find out what's going on. And by the way. Would you say that the jobs report was the last big piece of data that they have to chew on before this meeting? I think so. And immediately, it was Thursday, Friday. Thursday is when these numbers start to come out with employment. And then Friday is when the big headline unemployment rate number comes out. But Thursday, the the jobs added numbers came out. Immediately, the markets reacted. I mean, eighth of a point overnight. It was what They said one of the biggest moves in the last... Um, eight years or so, I think they said, you know, as far as single day rate change, it was one well, of the biggest. Yeah. And, you know, for the last since this economic crisis started, good news has been bad news and bad news has been good news. And we've become addicted to the stimulus. Right. Uh, and what I mean by that is a terrible jobs report would mean more Fed stimulus or extended Fed stimulus, which created cheap money and opportunity. It, it leveled the playing field and I think made uh, boards of businesses excited that there was money to, to swim in and an environment to expect uh, a good – you could invest in some capital. You could build things. You could buy things. You could let your money out because you could borrow it for next to nothing. It sort of creates a little incubator for business and hope. So bad news was really good news. Um, this week when we get some good news and the market responds with the Dow going up, that's a little bit different than what we've been experiencing lately. And I, I thought about that myself and I end up thinking, hey, if 8 out of 10 people now believe the feds are going to raise the rates in December, it's time to change your thinking. And I think you're starting to see this in the stock market a little bit. Um, stocks go up based on a bright tomorrow. Tomorrow's brighter if more people are employed and more people are making more money and more people are spending more money. They're hopeful. They're optimistic. Housing is strong. Savings rates are increasing. This is why stocks should be going up, not because we're enjoying being on the government teat for what was this? I mean, this is a good run. Ten years. So. I think now you're actually beginning to see a little bit of the shift in the mentality that, hey, this good news is supposed to drive the stock market up. It's supposed to mean that tomorrow is a little bit brighter because all this data is falling into place. And I, I, I kind of felt a little bit relieved about that. It's it's nice to see that. Um, and and also, every time I start to, to sort of talk myself through what this means, because as a business that relies on mortgage interest rates. Uh, we thrive when rates are low. That's always been the case. Um, but it, it, we also need that brighter tomorrow. We need more people making more money, <laughs> having employment opportunities, opportunities for raises, advancement, 
um, environments where people can open and run successful companies. When the economy does that, homes appreciate as more people can afford the homes that are around. That additional equity leads to people buying and selling real estate, leads to new homes being built. That we almost forgot that that's what this all takes. And then the flip side of that coin is that these numbers don't don't set the mortgage interest rate. And everybody needs to remember that. Um, yeah, there's a direct influence because money's all related to money. When you change the rates of money at one level, it has some impact on money at another level. But just like I said, the anticipation's greater than the deed. And I think this stuff's all built in here. And I fully expect that once the feds do make this first little bump, yeah, we're probably going to see a jolt. You might even see a little spike, see some bond yields go crazy, maybe even a month or two of, whoa, this is this is wild. We didn't totally expect this. But then what happens? That American resilience settles right back in. You still need to get up, go to work tomorrow, make yourself a better tomorrow. You're going to have to do that in spite of what quarter percent gets added or taken away. And it's all going to be okay. So just go be about your business, take care of yourself. Um, and I think that actually we'll relax a little bit when we realize that we're normally we're normalizing, right? I mean, rates are going to normalize. It's not that they're going up. They're going to normalize. They've been artificially held down, manipulated downward. So let's let them normalize. So I'm ready for it. Am I convinced December is when it's going to happen? Are you in the know. 80 camp or the 20 camp? I, I probably am in the 20 camp. I, I, I consider it more of a 50-50. Hmm. Um, I think there's a 50% chance they could do it. Um, I do think that we could all use one more month of real strong sense of we thought it was going to happen because really when they finally raise it, whether it's December, January, February, whatever it is, uh, there'll be a general sense of people who go, fine, fine. You talked about it for so long. I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of the volatility, tired of wondering, tired of worrying. Thank you for finally doing it. I'm going to get up in the morning and go to work. And um, I think we're close to there. So there was a comment in this um, testimony by Chair Yellen, and she was quoted as saying, if the, if the FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee, were to delay the start of rising interest rates, of, of raising interest rates, if they were to de delay the start of that process for too long, we would likely end up having to tighten policy relatively abruptly to keep the economy from overshooting. Yeah. The, you know, their goals for unemployment and inflation. So their it, worry is that if they if they push it off too far, they may that have they'll to have to start tightening at a faster pace. Be a little more radical. Which would be more of a jolt. So if they start it earlier, meaning now, then, Trim they, tab can, adjustments. then they can do it at a slower pace and let the economy kind of settle into these changes. So maybe it's coming. In either case, I'm not scared of it. I don't. I think it's a really exciting time. You know, it's it's a really exciting time to get to normal. Um been in this mortgage business for what's it been gosh 13 years or so yeah um and i i don't feel like i've seen normal <laughs> got in right after 9 11 which had a huge impact in in falling mortgage rates yeah um 
you know, we rode a pretty good bubble to the top. Yeah, watched the watched, biggest bubble in history. Rode pop. it all the way down, and now we've we've you returned know, from the ashes. Endured this recovery, and it, it's it's a very exciting time to get to normal. And, and so I'm I too am ready for it. I am not convinced that should the the Fed raise rates in December that it's going to have any impact at all on the actual mortgage rates that you see. I feel like we've already seen it priced in. Oh, man. I the really do. CFPB alone has built in an extra quarter. <laughs> I'm not worried at all that we're going to see some immediate knee-jerk reaction that causes mortgage rates to move to a point where people are disinterested in real estate. That is simply not going to happen. Not even close to happening. You know, it, I still think there's a lot of uncertainty in the market returning to normal. Yeah. We haven't been to normal for a long, long time. So, you know, we've we've seen a lot of rebound in in stocks of of big corporations and things but how much of that is due to the cheap money floating around there when that goes away do, does their when you also got to activity slow down there was a, one of the non-voting members of the fed recently said he was developing a theory that said perhaps inflation is being held down by the extended low interest rate and uh, I kind of got to say, maybe. See, there's all these theories, which to me speaks to uncertainty, which yeah. when there's creates volatility, times of and... uncertainty, people put their money in a, a safer spot, which is usually bonds. So if that's what happens, if if we do move to a normal, you know, rising interest rate environment where there's more uncertainty, you might actually see more money go into bonds, which should help keep those mortgage rates down. It would be, it's, it's really interesting, exciting time. Um, so yeah, got one more week to ponder it all. Uh, right now though, it's 1035 and we need to do a commercial break. So let's do that right now. And we'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. 
Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. As mortgage experts, we can help you refinance your home or investment property. We can lower your rate, shorten your term, or get rid of your mortgage insurance. Don't miss the opportunity to improve your financial situation. Call Central Coast Lending today. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, guys, welcome back. We can we can move on from this rate talk. Yeah, uh, I, I did want to circle back to jobs numbers um, just because I had some some local data for, for jobs numbers. Um, this is one month behind the national numbers that I had. In fact, I've been storing this article for a little bit. So I, th- I think the, the local November data I'll, I'll have access to maybe in the next week or so. Um, but I still wanted, just because we were sharing the jobs um, numbers nationally, I wanted to let you know where we sat here in the county. Um, Slow County jobless rate for October was um, at 4.3%, which was down a full percent from one year ago. So we've, you know, obviously our county has been really good um, compared to the rest of the state. But what are they making? Uh, Oh, as far as wages? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that there's... Um, a lot of positive news there. I think that's that's pretty much um, in line with the national numbers mm-hmm. um, as far as pretty limited wage growth. But the unemployment rate is strong here. Um, I forgot what where do we rank seventh best amongst the states among the state's fifty eight counties. Seventh. Seventh best. So that's, that's kind of where we've been. We've been, I think, as good as maybe fourth or fifth best in this state. And and here we're at seventh out of 58 counties. So that's pretty solid. Um, I did want to share, I always like to get into these cities. City of San Luis Obispo jobless rate was at 4.6%. Uh, we had the city of Paso Robles at 4.8%. And city of Arroyo Grande, 3.7% unemployment. That's pretty impressive. Hmm. But they weren't the lowest. You know who's the lowest? A Tascadero. Tascadero. Uh. 3.6% unemployment rate. Do we have kind of a bubble here still with all the government stuff, like the prisons and the defense department? A bubble in what way? And uh, I mean, we definitely have a concentration of those type of jobs being present. Like, you know, because... We have a lot of state jobs here. Yeah. yeah. So what do you mean by a bubble? Well, I mean, I see that numbers kind of go security. up. Kind of, yeah, secure. I, like I see yeah. those government jobs as being very stable. It's uh-huh. sort of, I consider it insulating. Yeah. It's sure. one of these things where uh-huh. the presence of all those jobs means that we're going to have, a, a, we're going to be 
sorting out and sort of in between the highs and the lows, right? When the economy gets really hot, the entrepreneurs and investors and speculators and all these guys make a bunch of money while the state guys kind of cruise the middle. Yeah. And then the, all those government workers that are just kind of s- nice and steady. And then at the same time, when you've got deep declines where those entrepreneurs, investors, and speculators are losing 60 to 80% of their income. And on this last one, we learned assets too. Uh, the government guys are taking some furloughs and some reductions, but it's much more mild. And so I think it, I think it acts a little bit as, a, um, as an insulator to what we see overall in the economy in other economies. We're not going to have the, as extreme of swings because we've got this base of government employees yeah. that are going to kind of keep us a little more steady That's right. overall as, a, as an employed population. Did you guys yeah. see this week too, though, that now the um, – PG&E is, is now deciding on their own whether or not it makes sense to continue on operating Diablo. Hmm. And wow. the jobs and money yeah. um, in our local economy that are a result of that. It, uh, I, it's a I, lot. Yeah, and I really consider um, that that would be a, a shakeup for a while. And lots of great people, of course. So PG&E has been a great employer for a lot of um, folks here on the central coast so that'll be um, interesting to see and and i know that if they do a shutdown it'll be announced with an end date that's you know a number of years away but yeah. um i just that that could be a, a pretty good shock to our local economy and we'll see what happens there well yeah with property taxes for san Luis coastal they get a lot of property taxes from pg and e yeah well, in, in PG&E, that plant creates an, a kind of a disproportionate amount of power. But it's one of the last, is it the last nuclear plant in operation on the West Coast? I think most all of them have been decommissioned now. Like maybe on the actual coast. Yeah. But I think there's others in California that are operating. I'll have to see if that's, how many, okay, I'll, I'll see if I can find that. I think it is. I think so. Yeah. So anyway, this is a changing potential here for us. Um, man, these hours go by so quick. Now we've really only 15 minutes to go. What's left on your news desk? I, I don't have a lot. We've, we've covered a lot of the meat of the last week of, of economic news. It's it's been a action packed week. This, you know, we're getting ever closer to Christmas um, and that whole holiday season when it seems like the markets really, really go to sleep. It seems like there's been this little burst of activity in local housing um, here. Just would would you say? Does it seem like? It seems like all of a sudden in the last thirty days there's been a little spike in volume. That absolutely, but it seems has been. for some. You know, as I look across all of our. Um, loan agents, I see some where, where I'm seeing that pretty clearly and others where I'm seeing, um, you know, no change or even a slowdown. So it's kind of interesting how the different agents are, are seeing different trends with the volume. Yeah. I was meeting over, um, with all the realtors over at Patterson Realty this week. I do like a weekly meeting over there and we were talking about that and, um, some suggested that there's a always a little flurry of people that are trying to bang something out right before year end. Some year end transactions for tax yeah. purposes or something. And 
It, truth be told, if you're if you think that getting involved in a real estate transaction on December first, hoping to close by December thirty first, that's it's be, always tough. Better because get of, ready. Yeah, the holidays, and, and then there's these mandatory waiting periods during the mortgage process. That's right. So unless you're just gonna throw down some cash on a property, it can be challenging. It's doable, but it's more challenging just because of the days off. Now if if the holidays, if Christmas and New Year's were falling on weekends, there might it, it might be a little bit easier, but when they fall right in the in the work week, then it you know, we lose work days and it, it makes it tougher to get those transactions done. Diablo Canyon is the only nuclear power plant in California operating. It is. Wow. Yes. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure about the West Coast, but in California it's the only nuclear power plant that's not still in operation. Hmm. I think it might be the last one on the West Coast. Yeah. Anyway, I w- that's darn near like a political conversation. By the way, once you get going on that, it it can really ruffle some feathers quick on both sides. So I'm not particularly interested in having that conversation. But you know, like I said, in my in the context here of what it means to San Luis County in terms of economy and jobs and um, and also. Uh, I don't totally mean to go back into it, but they've been very philanthropic as well, um, supporting lots of great local causes and charities and scholarships and the like. It, it's a um, it would be missed regardless of how you feel about the uh, the presence of that those two nuclear reactors that are right out there over my right shoulder. Nothing's uh, still in operation in Oregon, and right now I'm stressing Washington. Um, I learned something this week. Oh yeah, what's that? Yeah, um, I learned that uh, a veteran can use their benefit. So I got a phone call from a guy that um, is a is an army veteran and doesn't have much by way of income. Has um, a couple thousand bucks a month essentially between Social Security and a VA disability benefit and called up to say, hey, I've got this VA housing entitlement that um, I haven't used before, and I'm considering a way to kind of change my landscape a little bit. Could I buy an investment property um, that would generate some positive income for me? And the answer is kind of initially no. The VA loans are for owner-occupied loans only. Um, but in this case, he could buy units and use the rental income of the other units to offset the qualification for the mortgage payment. And that's acceptable to VA. So um, that was an interesting one. There, there is a requirement. You have to be able to explain how you've experienced in um Land, management yeah management and maintenance of property like that and doesn't require that you own but that you at least can make a case that you're going to be suited to be able to take on this responsibility um and so i was like look at that there that is i mean granted it's going to be a pretty small segment of the population but it's one way that somebody could accomplish some pretty cool objectives by way of uh, a va loan and um yeah, anymore. I'm I'm impressed when I come across a guideline that I've never heard of before. 
Um, there's been so much exposure to the guidelines through the years that unless it's a new change, I, I seldom find myself being surprised to completely learn something new that's been the case all along. And that certainly has. So, hmm. yeah, I was under the impression VA was a, a single family purchase. Yeah. Not only the case. type of program. Yeah. Wow. So interesting okay. one there. Um, and, oh, I don't know whether to chalk this up under good or bad, but we've been getting a lot of phone calls for construction lending. So oh, yeah? I'd suggest that the advertising front between you and the marketing team is working well. Um, cool. And I say that I don't know whether to suggest that it's good <laughs> or bad because these are... I mean, as much as the pro it's great that the programs are being offered, but not everybody qualifies for the programs yet. Um, and it, it sometimes is credit score related or you had a short sale or something else like that. But it also has something to do with how much cash you have to put into the game. We get we get a lot of phone calls from people that are um, lately they get frustrated with the housing market. Like I'm tired of looking at the same. I pull up the Internet search. I know what houses are for sale in a Tascadero. None of them suit my needs. Nothing's being listed. So now I say, well, maybe I should buy a lot and build. And um, so we get a lot of those kind of calls too, where, you know, somebody without much going on is like, well, I'm going to buy a piece of dirt and build a house. And the answer is you really got to, you still do have to have some money to be playing that game. You're not going to buy a lot and build a house with 100% financing. Um, well, if you're a veteran, if you're a veteran, perhaps you may. But one of the challenges in this area is just the cost to build, you know, the land acquisition plus the, the cost of actually building the structure oftentimes puts you into a higher loan amount category unless you have a lot of cash to bring into the transaction. You know, we offer a lot of the advertising that you mentioned that we've been doing lately is is geared around our one time closed construction loans which we you know we have the Fannie Mae um, one-time closed construction. So it's your conventional guidelines, your regular Fannie Mae conventional guidelines. We've got your FHA construction one-time closed loan. Um, now that one will go up to the 96.5% loan to value um, that all FHA loans will go up to. And then you have your VA one-time closed construction loan, and that one will go up to 100% financing like all VA loans will, or most VA loans will. So that's that's what a lot of our advertising is geared to, but it only goes up to those those um, FHFA limits. So when you look at building in our county, um, a lot of the areas are, you know, you, you're going to spend a quarter of a million bucks just getting the lot, and then you have to build out a home at upwards of, you know, 200 bucks a square foot. Yep. So it ends up costing, a, you know, over those, those FHFA limits. And so then that puts you into a jumbo um, category. Which, you know, those are still available. We can offer some some jumbo construction loans, whether it's building your own home or doing even a spec build. But it's a it's a different process. It's not a one time close process. You, depending on if you're financing your lot, it could be a two or a three time close process. Um, and the rate is a little bit higher. You know, you go from something in the fours to something um, at five percent. And then when you take it out, you're subject to whatever the new market rate is when you're done building. So there's a little more risk in that type of transaction, and but I'm glad the advertising's working. Thank you. Yeah, it is, <clears throat> and and that's that's kind of what I wanted to say about it. By the way, is it's I constantly find myself telling all people um, 
feel free to call. You know, you're not wasting our time. You're rarely qualified to um, decide whether or not these loan programs will work for you. Right. I mean, I get people that they finally come into refi. Oh, I didn't refinance for two years because, um, you know, I, I needed two years of good tax returns and say, oh, I wish you'd have called me a year ago because for years we've had loan programs that will allow somebody to qualify on a single year of tax returns. So point being is it's a safe environment to call and talk through your options. Um, and hey, sometimes we're firming up what your uh, suspicions were that, no, you're not ready. Sometimes we're completely dispelling a myth. Um, at other times, we're putting people on a track to be able to accomplish those goals down the road. Um, that's the kind of stuff we like to do. And we're also at this time of year, guys, you're going to hear me talk about this for the next four months. Till you go file your new tax returns that this is the right time of year to consider um, if you need to qualify for a loan, um, being a little bit more, uh, I, I always want to, I want to phrase this really cautiously because I'm not suggesting that people should falsify income in any way, shape or form, but to the contrary, when you prepare your tax returns, all you self-employed people out there. You guys, and I know who you are, I see your tax returns all the time. I know this is uh, happens all too often. You are awfully liberal in your interpretation of what is a qualified expense. You're electing to include every receipt you can for things that um, probably in, in the eyes of the IRS are not bona fide business expenses. You're writing them off, reducing your taxable income. Um, and so what I'm suggesting is, again, don't falsify your income, but choose to be more truthful about your expenses. And um, this really simply is an opportunity for you, given that we have programs, like I just said, where somebody can qualify based on a single year's worth of tax filing. If you're self-employed and you've been wanting to refinance but can't qualify, let's look at what it would take. Let's... And then you can take that math, discuss with the accountant, should you elect to um, exclude some of those expenses that uh, arguably shouldn't be counted anyway, so that your adjusted gross income is one that you could qualify for a refinance or a purchase. Because remember, even even purchasing a, loan, uh, a home is going to give you some tax write-off, right? So... Um, here then here comes the point let's get together and visit that if you're in that boat of wanting to purchase or wanting to refi and tax write-offs have been your hurdle or potentially your a barrier to entry of home ownership let's get together and discuss that um yeah when you write off less you're going to have higher taxes agreed um, there's there, first of all, there's an argument to be made that you should be paying your fair share anyway, who am I to, to impose my ethics on you? But, um, secondly, you, you, the, the math that's involved there, you may end up able to qualify to buy a home where the home ownership tax deductions will put you in a better tax place than you are currently where you're maximizing deductions. So Food for thought there. This is the time of the year to think about that. These are the kind of conversations that we're good at having. And um, 
I know I say this all the time, but it's a safe environment. Uh, you can call me or call our staff. We're not going to end up chasing you around, pushing you against the ropes, calling you all the time, trying to force you into closing or something. That's not at all the style of our business. And if you, you know, if you've ever even felt like you've had that experience, by all means, call me so that I can uh, get involved and put an end to it. That's certainly not what we do. We don't try to do that in any way, shape or form. We're exactly the opposite. We're here to provide a service for you um, to kind of be your chaperone as it would be through the loan um, process, figuring out if you qualify, qualifying, going actually through escrow and closing. Um, that's the kind of thing we're doing. Uh, we don't really say so on the show enough, I don't think. Um, but we do refinance loans. <laughs> we do purchase loans. We offer... Uh, all of the government loans, if you need a VA loan or an FHA loan, if you need a construction loan or a mobile home loan, uh, we do lending uh, for residential structures. That's what we do. And um, we're, we're pretty darn good at it. I'm, and I'm proud of what we've been able to accomplish since we opened Central Coast Lending. We're pushing in on a half a billion uh, dollars funded worth of business, um, most of which is right here in Slow County. Um, and so... Uh, we're accustomed to beating, blowing out of the water, cash call and quick in and in any of the other online lenders that you might um, be drawn to call because of their clever advertising. Um, we're certainly happy to, to throw our hat in the ring and see if we can help you out. There are so many great activities going going on this month. Um with the holidays approaching, we went ahead and tried to put all the activities we are aware of onto a calendar and we posted it on the Central Coast Lending oh. website. So if you're looking for um, anything to do related to the holidays this month, um, go ahead to centralcoastlending.com, check out the December holiday calendar and see what's going on. There's several activities today. We've got the lighted boat parade in Morro Bay, holiday parade in Grover, and a holiday parade in Paso Robles. So there's Lots to do. Um, hope you have a great week, and I uh, hope that we can help you out next week. Or I hope you have a great weekend. Hope we can help you out next week. If you are interested in buying or refinancing, give us a Just call. Just call 543-LOAN. <laughs> or check out the website uh, to begin the application process. You can uh, do that at centralcoastlending.com. Hope to hear from you next week, and uh, hope you're enjoying your holiday season. We'll be back next week with more Mortgage Matters. <laughs>